I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. (laughs) (laughs) We have an audience member today. Yeah. (laughs) You should introduce her, Nick. Uh, This is uh, my sister. Do you want your name? Sure. For the record? Let's do it. Jordan. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Speaking of Jordan, you know Jordan McKnight from New Kids on the Block. Uh-huh. He had a very popular song that came out 23 years ago today. Why do you know that? Because it popped up on my Instagram. Oh, God. But I forgot how much I liked him back in the day. Okay. And he's a very talented dancer. Oh. As are all Jordans. Yeah. Yes. Well, that, that, that's a very hom- homonymous... Um, well, COVID's still a thing. Yeah, sure is. So here we are. So you might hear some coughing and some gurgling. Gurgling. <laughs> okay, we have a lot to get through. Um, you know Debrat? Yes. The rapper. Uh-huh. She went to prison what? for like six years. Yeah, I knew that. For busting some lady upside her head with a bottle in a club. Okay, that, that, that was a while ago, though. That was a while ago. You know, she's best friends with Mariah Carey. <laughs> and then she just got married to her uh, girlfriend, fiance. Uh, the lady's name is Jessica Dupart. She's actually a very successful entrepreneur. Entrepreneur? Entrepreneur. Okay. Um, and they make a lovely couple. But I was looking at their wedding photo, which I'm going to show you. Oh, I so here. Okay. So congratulations to them. (laughs) But what I was thinking is, I feel like... That reminds me of a coworker I had who lives in Inglewood, and she wanted nothing more... On her 40th? I think... Or 50th She said it was her 40th, but she's older than that. Uh, She, I guess, rented a horse and then rode Rode it it down the streets of Inglewood. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think these two make a lovely couple, and, you know, their wedding looks... I'm sure it was lovely. But looking at their photo... I feel like, I wish people would just wear, like, what they're comfortable with yeah. to their wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, Debrat is like a pretty butch lesbian. I yeah. did not think that's what her look was going to be. No. Same. Like, she always wears, like, baggy clothes. Her makeup is always on point, but her hair is always braided up. And so it's like, and then you're wearing this, like, tuxedo gown. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And then she has this updo. I... <laughs> I wish, just in general, people would wear, like, something that fits them. Sure. Like, my sister and her husband, for their wedding, dressed, like, how they would normally dress. Like, going to the club. Yeah, like, going out. <laughs> and I kind of felt like, well, that seems accurate. Sure. Right? It felt a lot more... If you, it, Their wedding photo's a lot less uncomfortable than this shit. Sure. How does but, this compare to the Niecy Nash wedding? Well... Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, Niecy's wife... I'm assuming she identifies the woman. And she's a pretty masculine looking lady. And I believe she wore like a tuxedo. Okay. All right. So if you didn't have your glasses on, you would think it's like a man and a woman who got married. If I hadn't had my LASIK, you mean. Um, and then, you know, Celebrity Big Brother just ended. I didn't know that, but... And Todrick Hall was on it. Okay. And he's getting a lot of backlash because, you know, they kind of like filmed them. It's like a live stream. And then, of course, for the TV show, they edit out portions but he's just running his mouth saying a lot of crazy things so shauna mochler is part of the cast mm-hmm. and people might know her as travis barker's ex-wife I was gonna say, I was wondering if that's 
And she's back in the limelight because Travis Barker is engaged to a Kardashian. Yes, I saw that. So that got, you know, that gave her a little extra shine this year. But um, she had shared a story about how her home was invaded and how the person who invaded her home said like this creepy line to her. Like something weird, like very memorable, like out of a movie. Like, uh... The, well, what is uh, in Sleeping Beauty? No, it's something like... Don't... Uh, well, she'll prick her finger on a spindle. <laughs> no, it's something like don't, don't like, 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 don't make me do it or something like that. Oh, okay. And then Todrick, after she shares the story with everyone, a few days later, Todrick is like antagonizing her and then says that phrase, which is, I think, is a really low dig. Then he... Um, wow. He's talking about like Cameo and how he just... You know, cameos where celebrities record, like, messages, personalized messages, and he admits to, like, he always says the same thing in everyone, and just being really loose with, like, <laughs> what he's talking about. Um, you know, Chris Kirkpatrick, which is a mem- who was a member of NSYNC, is also on the cast. That always reminds me of uh, Eminem. <laughs> Chris Kirkpatrick, you can get your ass kicked. <laughs> Todrick's, like, sort of talking shit about him, and it's just like, wow, I... Todrick's, you know, he already was kind of like in trouble for people accusing him of not paying yeah, for their services. Yeah, some like, uh, 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 what I would describe as like a compulsion with the sexual matters, perhaps, but based on wow. what I've heard. Anyway, uh, the uh, moving on. So RuPaul's Drag Race, season 14, episode 8. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you recall what the theme was? This is which okay. Uh, heart on was the, the oh, this, and they theme did, was heart on, and then they did sixties girl groups, which I love. That's and, right. Um, because as if you've listened to this podcast before, I was very bummed when Ronnie Spector passed away earlier this year, as the Ronettes are a favorite. But that's right, and also the Supremes are a favorite. Well, the Supremes. I was really into the Supremes as a kid, as I had Motown on tape. But uh, who did? <laughs> So, 60s girl groups, the queens were broken up into three teams. Yes. And they basically were like the Ronettes, the Supremes, and the Shangri-Las. But before that, the mini challenge was the reading challenge. Yes. All I remember is Bosco. Yeah. Uh, Lady Camden was good, too. I don't remember anything Lady Camden said. Can you remember any of the reads? No. Just the... The only one I remember is Bosco saying that he was backstage and found RuPaul's will... Which is really interesting because she wants to be buried on the runway and she wants all of you queens to be her pallbearers. So you can all let her down one so last you can time. All let, so you can all let her down one last time on the runway. It was lengthy, but it worked. It yes. worked for me. Okay, so in the challenge, you know, Carrie Colby, she's so beautiful. Yes. But she's yeah. so stiff. She's afraid not to be beautiful, I think. Yeah. She ended up in the bottom. Then Jasmine Kennedy, who was on a separate team, ended up in the bottom. And she was criticized for her choreography not looking natural, mm. which is interesting because she is a dancer. Mm. Yeah. But she just seems like she's trying really hard. Because she is. And I appreciate that, right? Like You can tell she really wants to be there. So the bottom two lip sync to a remix of Tony Braxton's song, Unbreak My Heart. The Hex Hector remix. The Hex Hexter. Hex Hexter. The Helter Skelter remix. The Hester, no, the Hester Prynne remix. The Hester oh, Prynne yeah. remix. Well, that'd be more fitting because they all were wearing red, That's right? That's true. 
So, um, the, so the, the theme was hard on. I wasn't super impressed with anyone except maybe Bosco. Because who did they say he looked like? Uh, if Gary de- Oldman. If Detox were doing Gary Oldman as Dracula. That's what Katya said. Oh, Katya said yeah. that. Um, yeah, so those two lip sync. Jasmine Kennedy is saved. Carrie Colby doesn't have the golden chocolate bar. I didn't realize till you watched the pit stop that Carrie Colby had the heart on the wrong side of her chest. She had she had a heart on her on the right side of her chest, not the left. But that was that. But if she were bright, she could have explained that as like this is very existential. Like this is the the, my bad side, the mirror image, where it would be reversed. Wow, I don't think she was thinking that. Yeah, I don't think she would have conjured that in time. <laughs> That's nice of you. Yeah, yeah. Very generous. Okay, moving on. Uh, U- UK versus the world. Episode oh my four. God. <laughs> I wanted somebody to review this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, we need to spend time on this. So this episode was the Snatch Game. Yes. The six remaining queens. So let's say what each one did. So Bag of Chips did. Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes from Misery. Juju B did. Cher. 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 Pangina Heels did. Mariah Carey. Blue Hydrangea was. Austin Powers. Mike Myers was Austin Powers. Yeah. And Dr. Evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janie Jacquet was James Charles, the YouTuber. Oh, yeah. And then Monique Hart, Mo Hart, I'm sorry, was Billy Porter. Mm-hmm. So this was the first time I can recall, although you corrected me, that RuPaul told a contestant who they should be. But you said he's done that before. He has done that before. Uh, he did that to the UK, the one that did Macaulay Culkin eventually. The one that I couldn't stand. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah, but so he, so Mo, Mo Hart wanted to do, who was his original choice? Oh, I can't remember. I don't remember either. It, someone British, I think. Someone who had an accent. Someone who had an accent. And then Mo couldn't do it. Yeah, and then RuPaul's like, well, what else you got? Mm-hmm. And then RuPaul says, He's you'd like, be you'd great be... as Billy Porter. Yes. You don't have to change your outfit. So Mo does it. Okay. And then Jujubee is doing Cher, which is what basically on another UK season where he told the Spanish language one, Theresa May, that she should do Cher because it doesn't matter that... It, it would be funny because it's so ridiculous. Yes. So I and think she Juj- didn't listen. Jujubee was doing So that. I think Jujubee took that advice. Okay, so this match game was different because they broke the teams up into two and it was kind of like Family Feud style. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, tell me what you thought about Bag of Chips. Fun. I loved Bag of Chips. Uncomfortable, yeah. kind yeah. of, but fun in all the best, all the right ways. Yeah, Aww. because, yes, yeah. because she kept, so she was holding RuPaul's book, Guru. Yeah. And then she kept referring to RuPaul as Paul, which is the character's name in Misery. Yeah. And he was, like, unflinching. <laughs> yeah. I love it was it. uncomfortable but in a good way I love the beginning because he's like I'm almost I'm almost done reading Guru <laughs> I own Guru my mom actually asked me to order it for her she read it and sent it back to me I sent that book to her on a Monday I got that book back on Wednesday because <laughs> it's like a picture book yeah, yeah. there are no words <laughs> later, when he gets to the, later when he gets to the end he's like what you're is a liar. He he's like, you're a liar Paul there's no blah 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 on yeah. Guru yeah I thought he he knocked it out of the park. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Juju be a share. Fun, but again, uh, what was the judge that said it didn't live up to her Eartha kit? No. Yeah. It was a little weak, but not the worst of the group. Right. So good for her. Okay, Pangina Heels. 
She looked like Mariah Carey. Strangely, very much so, yeah. The the sort of uh, the tics and the mannerisms and the way she was holding her head and her mouth, the hair. Yes. It was uncanny. Yes. It's just that, you know. But the jokes weren't there. Well, not fun with it. Yeah. Well, Mariah's not fun. Mariah's not fun either, but I think there is a lot to play with because she's, Mariah's pretty smart. For a pop star, she seems to be pretty quick. Uh, and she's successful enough that I think she's not afraid to be ridiculous. Maybe now. She didn't seem very quick in the 90s when she had to respond to all of Madonna's jobs. No, no. But nowadays, I think Mariah Carey's in a place where like she just says, she's just ridiculous and no, who's going to stop her? Sure. She goes to interviews with her own lighting. Like, I would. I mean, I, I, I'm into it. But yeah, Pangina didn't live up to that. Okay, Blue Hydrangea is uh, Mike Myers as Austin Powers and Dr. Evil. Fun. He clearly was prepared. Yes. And I would say he was the second best. Yes. Uh, Okay, James Charles. Terrible. If people don't know who James Charles is, then I think you'd be lost because it's just like this... I only know about him as a a Fall from Grace story, but I don't watch his content or when it was up, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, his person... I'm familiar with who he is. His personality is very flat. Like, he's not... The only thing notable about him to me is the controversy surrounding him. And Janie should have played into that. Yes. But yeah, she didn't at all. He even said, I was afraid because I don't want to. Then you shouldn't have done it. Then you shouldn't have done it. And then Mo is Billy Porter. I mean, Mo is kind of acts like Billy Porter, like over the top. So I I think he did a great (laughs) job. Like too much, maybe not the brightest all the time. (laughs) No, But, but but I think he was like the third best. Okay, so in the top, obviously, are Bag of Chips and Blue Hydrangea. Mm-hmm. In the bottom are all the other queens. So this is the gag. Because they lip sync mm-hmm. to a song called Let It Go, which I had never heard. Same. And I do think Blue Hydrangea did a better job at the lip sync. Mm-hmm. So she's the winner. Which I don't know if I agree with. But it does make for a good story because she wanted it so badly. So it was fun to watch her win. So she gets to choose who's going home. And clearly the weakest link of the four is Jujubee. This is like Roxy, what's her name, staying around for way past her sell by yeah. back in the day. Clearly Jujubee needs to go home. Yes. And the strongest contestant is Pangina Heels. Yeah. And Blue sends home Pangina. <laughs> And we were like, what? But then the judges, like, Michelle and Rue are just, like, gooped, I guess. Yeah, they're like, I can't believe they're sending this bitch home. And then Pangina starts crying hysterically. (laughs) Sobbing. Sobbing, sobbing to the back of the stage, Mm -hmm. sobbing. Then then when she's, like, she's gone from the set. Still mic'd. Still mic'd. And they've moved on to talking to another queen. And we can still hear her crying. She's sobbing, yes. And and and, and Rue's like trying to move on. Like, well, the show must go on. And then they pan to Blue Hydrangea, whose like lips are quivering and her gloved hand goes to her mouth like, oh. <laughs> I, I might actually rewatch the ending again. <laughs> that would be, I, I would be. Yeah. Um, but that was... I was not expecting that. And then in the and then I'm sorry to my country. Uh, oh, she apologized to Thailand. And, and then in the back, she looked like she'd been... She'd gone through an assault. Yeah. Because her, yeah. her, she couldn't open her eyes. They were swollen. And it's yeah. uh, like, wow. Okay, but here's the thing. These are the all-star rules since season two. 
Right. So we know that this is how people get kicked off. So it's like, well, we know the rules. And, you know, yes, I think Pangina was like a front runner. But how'd her ass end up in the bottom then? You know, like you put yourself in the bottom, girl. You weren't the best at this challenge. So it's like, it is kind of fair game. And if it's a competition, if we had to run a race, I'm going to pick the fastest person to be eliminated. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, I mean... It's just funny uh, in the annals of RuPaul and its various iterations how these girls always say, like, they're going to pull a showgirls and throw the pearls on the ground to trip up their competitors. But almost always... They never do. Almost always never do we see somebody making a move like that. So, I kind of applaud Blue Hydrangea because she played the game, like, the way it makes sense. Yeah. But everyone's afraid because they don't want the fans to get mad. Like some kind of backlash. But again, in the UK... They're not as beholden to this kind of... Yeah, that, they have the freedom, I guess, to because they don't really have to deal with the kind of things the U.S. queens deal with. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Yep. All right. So, films that were released that uh, we didn't cover. Because we were tired and sickly. Cyrano, which, which I you... S- yeah, because it was part of the award season. So, I saw a screener of it in December... I was in the house when you were watching it, mm-hmm. and I recall like walking by, like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> Peter Dinklage singing. And then you showed me, <laughs> like, "Oh my god!" I hated it, uh, <laughs> and I like Peter Dinklage, and I like Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, yeah, okay. The only film version of Cyrano I've seen is Roxanne with Steve Martin. I've never seen um, the Cyrano de Bergerac with Gerard Depardieu, which got him an Oscar nod, or uh, the one which won what's his, what's his name in Oscar, which um, what uh, what was his name? Because we used to see his child and all kinds of stuff. That's gonna mess me up. Anyway, I, it's directed by Joe Wright, and I really didn't. Oh, Jose Ferrer. Jose Ferrer won an Oscar for that in 1950. Uh, anyway, I didn't, uh, I really didn't like it. Uh, so, but we could have rewatched it had we made time this week, but. Not we. <laughs> I have no interest in that movie. Oh, well, we should have. That little clip I saw was terrible. It's not good. Um, but I know quite a few critics that did really like it. Uh, I just didn't see the point of it. And Dinklage, I wouldn't say is a singer. Uh, but yeah, so we didn't get around to reviewing no Britney that. Spears. No, but you know, to be fair, Joseph was out like three nights this week because of. I think the COVID hit you a little harder than it did me. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't get. After no exit, we didn't really <laughs> watch any screeners. Okay, Studio Six Six Six. The Foo Fighters that are in a comedy horror musical. Oh. That came out this week. You know who I always thought was really. Um attractive was the guitarist for Foo Fighters. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm sure if I saw him. But they're all in it. Uh, that could have been fun, but I didn't even request a screener for that. Um, yeah, I gotta look up who this person is. Alright, moving on. So, Oh, there's one more. The Desperate Hour. Oh, I wish we had had time for that. Oh. Uh, I saw it at TIFF 2021, um, the virtual festival. It's Naomi Watts starring as a woman who's going on a run in the woods. And suddenly she gets a phone call learning that her son has shot up the school he goes to. And then she injures herself and can't get back in time. Uh, So it's her on the phone the whole time. And it's not good. Uh, 
I, uh, but it was called Lakewood, and they changed the title because of the uh, reviews it got. Uh, but the director is somebody notable, um, an older gentleman. Isn't it Philip Noyce? Yeah, Philip Noyce, who did uh, things like Dead Calm and Salt. Uh, it, uh, it, but it would have been fun to review with you. We'll never know. Okay, <laughs> so we need to crack through these because you watched a lot of movies this past week. Well, my sister was visiting, so anytime family's here, we watch it's a lot of... No, we always... <laughs> we watch a lot of cinema. So let's get through these. All right, so we watched Ali Wong's Netflix comedy special, Don Wong. Yes. That lady is wild. She's funny, yeah. She's real wild. Yeah. She has a nasty, filthy mouth. Which, yeah, which we get along with, yeah. I want to get a drink with her. I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I some know. similar themes to her past two specials. It felt very similar but. to the other two I've watched, but I also enjoyed those, so yeah. more of the same isn't a bad But if, if we're talking auteur theory, her stamp is there for sure. <laughs> we Wait, who's that other comedian we watched? Ms. Pat? Did you write that down? I did, so okay. I'll move to that one. Oh, sorry. So there's a comedian named Ms. Pat, a 49-year-old black lady. Her special's called, it's on Netflix, Y'all Want to Hear Something Crazy. Uh-huh. And, and you, she you sure did deliver. Um, she definitely represents that brand of comedy that's like take tragedy and turn it into laughter. Mm-hmm. And that's how you heal. Take your broken heart and turn it into So, art. you know, I, I, I guess there'd be a trigger warning because, I mean, all the taboo shit is in there. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, but I enjoyed it. it. It definitely feels like she's an old school version of... She reminds me of like 90s comics sure like the kind of people you'd hear on like deaf comedy jam or she's just filthy but i like that too and i saw robert townsend directed that well that would make sense it does have a you know old school 90s vibe okay we well we made a review for medea homecoming so no point in talking about it except (laughs) oh we can't talk about it because we forgot to mention in our review because i said the only good part of the movie is the end credits where she mimics beyonce's homecoming but there's also a scene where Medea's implying that she is the reason Rosa Parks didn't get off the bus. Yeah. Or give up her seat on the bus. Mm-hmm. And then she's like showing pictures of her and Rosa on her iPhone. Like. <laughs> Which is so stupid that it could be funny. It's just that... It was... Because then we also... It's like in black and white and we see Medea trying to look young. <laughs> like a young... With like long dark hair. That was kind of... Like cute. a young tasty snack. Okay, we watched we watched the 1960 film Berserk. 67. 67 mm-hmm. with John Crawford. Oh, yes. I mean, that's a special treat. It sure was. That movie deserves more attention because I think it's really well done. For what it is, I guess. Well, I mean, I was impressed. Okay. And you got Joan creaking around looking crazy. Creaking around. Creaking around looking crazy. With her big old bun on she, yeah, oh my she, god, that old synthetic bun. She and, never wears a top hat either. She carries it around. And then her, the male lead. Ty Harden. Oh, oh so we need to take a moment to honor Ty Harden's real, real name, name, which yeah. is... Orison. Orison. Whipple. 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 Uh, or something? Not foreskin. Foreskin. Uh-huh. Orison Whipple Foreskin Jr. No. Foreskin. Foreskin. <laughs> Whatever it is, look it up. Look up Berserk. Look up, uh, what's his name? Ty Ty Harden. Ty Harden. And then what is his real name? 
I mean, it's more wild than... Oh, Orison Whipple Hungerford Jr. Hungerford. Hungerford. <laughs> I mean, that is that kind of rivals... Orison Ar- Whipple Hungerford Jr. That rivals Archibald Leach, oh, right? Or what is Cardi B's real name? Uh... Almanzia something. Some con some spell conjuring. Um, yeah. That was a revelation. But berserk. I recommend it. Okay. Something called the New Kids. Oh yeah. So uh, Jordan likes James Spader. We had a James Spader triple feature. Uh, this was the last one on there. It's a Sean S. Cunningham film, 1985, uh, who did the first Friday the 13th he might be best known for uh, but James Spader and Laurie Laughlin uh, face off and Eric Stoltz who's actually like a sweet kid sweet in boy. it uh, James Spader's the bad kid and it's about a brother and sister whose father uh, Tom Atkins is the dad from Creepshow uh, he dies he's like a military man that has trained them and then they go live with their, with their uncle their aunt and uncle and the uncle is like this affable diabetic looking man <laughs> who uh, has something called Santa's Funland that he's trying to build up again. Uh, So the kids help him do that, but these children at school take an interest in, a very rapey interest in Lori Laughlin, and she rebuffs them. And so this gang of boys starts terrorizing these siblings and vandalizing Santa's Funland, and then there's a reckoning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's more disturbing than you'd think. A reckoning. It's about as disturbing as James Spader's hair. Oh, yes, he's platinum blonde. With uh, blonde eyebrows. yes, not a good choice. In that. No, he looks crazy, <laughs> yeah. he looks like bread. <laughs> he does look like bread, like Jennifer Addison. Okay, next is Cocaine One Man's Seduction. Yes, which great title. Uh, that is also a James Spader film, oh. which is a rare movie where he's a sweet kid himself. Yeah. Uh, he plays the son of Dennis Weaver, a real estate agent who has aged out of the market, if you will, and discovers cocaine. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. He keeps He's too old for real estate? He's his for luxury. His well his oh, bre- for luxury. His <laughs> bread and butter is like single family housing, which is there's not a need for that where he is, and so uh he tries to break into luxury housing. He shows this house to this Chinese woman who doesn't speak English and her assistant and he's like come look at the kitchen it was remodeled it looks great and she's like Ms. Blah 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 has no need for the kitchen that's servants and then they leave him yeah they throw him off <laughs> like so dumb she doesn't know what our kitchen it's a, it's a title that invokes the Jill Clayburgh pill popping movie um, I'm Dancing As Fast As I Can uh, <laughs> and how we looked at addiction in the 80s but he has a scene where he drops his coke in the toilet and he spent like $3,000 on it. It's like yeah. a huge Ziploc baggie of coke. <laughs> and Dennis Weaver does not look good in it. No, he's supposed to be how old? 47? He's supposed to be 47 and he's damn near 60 in that. And he looks it. Uh, you, you know him from that movie Duel, the Spielberg film where the car is chasing him. Oh, I don't recall him in that movie. He's the one driving the car that's being chased. I don't chased. know who that is. Okay. <laughs> Next, Critical Care. And James Spader. Oh, okay, the third one. Yeah, okay. which I really liked. I, it's. I remember the VHS cover as a kid. It came out in 1997. It's a Sidney Lumet film. It was marketed as a 
comedy. It is not a comedy. It is not a comedy because I'm like a James Spader comedy. Uh, and he again has that like highlighted frosted 1997 hair. Uh, but he's caught, he's a doctor, he's a resident, uh, and he's caught between two half sisters, Keir Sedgwick and Margot Martindale, uh, who. They'd have to have a different something. Yes. <laughs> and the father's on a ventilator in the hospital, and they're both fighting whether to keep him alive because basically he needs to have a tube inserted to feed him. He's that far gone. And it turns out it's it has something to do with who's going to inherit money if he lives for three weeks longer than he's there. Uh, and Keir Sedgwick is the hot one, and she seduces him and traps him. Uh, and, and it's basically about how nobody's a good person, including the the, the hospital, uh, healthcare the healthcare system, which is uh, basically also has an interest in keeping him alive because this man has... Uh, buku insurance and will pay for everything that they do to him uh albert brooks in old man makeup is james spader's mentor which had some good scenes but it actually comes to quite some like really poignant moments especially with anne bancroft mm -hmm. showing up as this i believe it's in james spader's head this nun uh it, it, yeah it, it was a lot more interesting than i thought great cast um yeah it, it was surprising because mm -hmm. i don't think it's a well-loved film Rawhead Rex. Oh, oh boy. Uh, Clive Barker wrote this film, and I've been aware of it for a while. It's kind of a cult classic. And we watched the trailer, and I'm like, oh, I you know, really should watch Rawhead Rex. And the, the who's this demon that is unleashed uh, in Ireland uh, from under the ground. And after his introduction, was, which has, has, has some cool shots, that the monster, the monster looks terrible. Uh, Who would play the monster in a movie? Well, it needs to be. Clive Barker wanted it to look like a nine-foot penis, and they changed it into looking like this wildebeest predator-looking thing. Like, hell, like a poor Hellboy. Yes. A yes. poor Hellboy. Poor Hellboy. <clears throat> um, but that this the reason uh, Clive Barker's unhappiness with this film is why he would take uh, a pivotal role like in directing Hellraiser. Vibes. Uh, I remember watching this as a kid with my dad. Jordan had never seen it with Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper, and they both meet in this study and they have um, kind of special abilities. Psychic powers. Yeah, psychic power. He can he can touch something and tell what's happened to it or where it's been. And probably the funniest bit is he's told his wife is cheating on him or his girlfriend's cheating on him, and he grabs a pair of her panties. And he's like, "Another man has held these panties." And she's like, "It was my father. He was doing my laundry." <laughs> <laughs> it was not her father. It, it's cute. Cindy Lauper's cute. Um, Jordan made a good point. She's very kind of Annie Potter-ish. Yeah, Annie Potts. Annie Potts-ish. And, um, but then it just kind of falls apart by the end. It's like it does this yeah. Indiana Jones thing where they go on this trek with um, Columbo, Peter Falk. Yep. He's trying to find this gold room <laughs> in Ecuador. Yeah. <laughs> Next, Stage Fright. Oh, I'd been wanting to rewatch this for a while because you know I have a Marlena Dietrich thing, yeah. and uh, it's a Hitch. Everyone knows it's a Hitchcock film from 1950. Uh, Jane Wyman, I've never really cared for. Mm. I like her in uh, her Douglas Sirk films because she fits that kind of kind of pathetic housewife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this film is way too chatty and it loses its esteem. But it's it's Hitchcock going back to the UK and Dietrich is this stage actress who has what was the one song that was the best I'm the laziest girl in town I'm the laziest girl in town she has same where she goes same. there's like there's like a, a layering Shay's of lounge. Shay's lounges of <laughs> yeah and she, she just goes to each one oh it's like a Mariah Carey concert yeah it yeah. is <laughs> 
But it's like, who's... Standing? And then she does this lovey and Rose uh, oh. bit that she looks so bored doing. I think she was. Um... But she looks fantastic. That intro scene where she's smoking under the veil and there's just, Kitchhawk gets this shot of her where there's just like... The one from above? Yeah, where there's, well, there's the, a great shot of her from above, but there's also one where there's this, this cigarette smoke billowing like she's this dragon on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend it for her parts. Next, Il Demonio. Yeah, I'm still making my way through that All the Haunts BRs folk horror set. Um, I just remember that one with pubes. Yes, uh... Delia Lavi, who I've seen in the Mario Bava film The Whip and the Body, she plays this like she's beautiful. she's beautiful. She plays this sex-starved peasant girl who's in love with this man and basically does a love potion number nine on him. But we were watching this, being like, does she have any magic? Is it gonna kick in for her? Yeah. Uh, well, just the one is when she sees that boy after he's died. That's the only. That's the only moment where it's the, you get of it. yeah. Uh, it's okay. It's directed by Brunello Rondi, who wrote a few. Uh, Fellini films, but it it looks great. It, it was okay. Mama Weed, which Isabel. We've reviewed that film. I've seen it. Yeah, in 2020. That's where Isabel plays like a Middle Eastern person. She's half Arabic, yeah. But people had issue with that. I think so. so in over there, I think that's American. But she story. works for like law enforcement, and then she gets wrapped up because she needs money, like trying to sell drugs or steal some drugs, whatever. She has the, a chance to come into like a ton of uh, hashish, mm-hmm. uh, but her mother's medical bills were live in, the, in that nursing home or running into the ground, and she's just finished paying off her husband's debts, uh, and she sees an opportunity and she takes it. I recall the final sort of sequence having a lot of tension. Yes, where they almost catch her. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good, and, it, and she's very sweet in it. And then she makes friends with the Chinese woman who owns the apartment building she's in. Yeah. And oh, that's right. There's I like, like that friendship. There's kind of some like drastic violence that happens. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because she gets invited to like a wedding a or something. Wedding. Yeah, that's right. and the, the men who own the drugs have tracked her down, and they try to break into this wedding, and the uh, Chinese bodyguards kill them. Because yeah. that Chinese yeah. family is like into money laundering. Yes. So they're, yes. they have protection. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. And that's she's, she's going to reteam with that director, but that you know that was a, a pinnacle of sorts because I was my name was quoted in the trailer, uh, so no big deal. I'm in an Isabelle Huppert trailer. Humble Greg. But my sister, <laughs> my sister had never seen it, so it's cute. I like it. It was cute. Next, written on the wind. Oh yeah, I haven't watched this in a while. Criterion just put it out. Speaking of Douglas Sirk. Um, Lauren Bacall, Rock Hudson, Robert Stack, and Dorothy Malone. Stack was nominated for Dorothy Malone won her Oscar as his nymphomaniacal sister. Dorothy Malone is so good in this movie. Yes. Uh, it's just this, just this alcoholic infused dysfunctional family, uh, people falling in love as soon as they meet kind of thing. But just this, this, it's Douglas Sirk, but sappy melodrama, but this one has a harder bite to it than some of the other ones. Sirk would reunite with three of them outside Lauren McCall for the tarnished angels, I think the year after this, which I also recommend. House of Gucci. So Jordan had not seen it. We reviewed it. House. House of Gucci. House of Gucci. Baba. Did you love it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a joke. I don't know. Kind of. Oh my God. Well, there's no point going over it because I think it's, I mean, who doesn't think it's ridiculous? Yeah. But you were saying that you watched... A real interview with the family. With, with the men in the family. Paolo. Paolo. 
who does not come across as an idiot at all. Which is so like, what an odd choice. Well, and yeah. listening him speak in English, Jared Leto sounds like he's doing this Super Mario Brothers. Oh my I god! Think it was just a parody of what the man really was, which is disappointing. It's disappointing because if really Scott wanted to be serious about this dramatic piece. Like, be serious about it. Yeah, not. like you strike one, you're like, <laughs> don't have Jared Leto play. You're making guy. a ki- you're like you're caricaturizing these real people. But that that script, because this is the third time I've seen it, because we watched it with your sister when she was here too. We what did. Did, yeah. what did, did you yeah. We were laughing at it, but it, <laughs> the script is so fucking bad. Like Gucci is like a piece of cake. Uh, once you have a slice, you cannot stop eating it. What? What? <laughs> and don't. Don't mistake shit for chocolato. <laughs> Believe me, I know. I want to fly free like pigeon. What the fuck? Where are you getting this? Of shit? all the birds to want to be like, why well, would you choose a pigeon? Well, because he had pigeons, but it's like. But it's just like, this is so wild. Okay, anyway, uh, next movie is Alligator. Oh my god, I had a lot of fun with that. I I liked Alligator as well. Um, what year was it made? 1980. Okay, so the basic story is. Uh, there's like some research group doing testing on animals, like for horm- horm- trying to develop hormones. There's a lot going on in the background. There's a lot going on. So in the sewer system, there's all this like trace hormones from this scientific research center. And then people are at the same time flushing baby alligators down the toilet. <laughs> so there's one alligator who persists in the sewer system and grows to be like 20 feet long, like, or like bigger than a car. And it's terrorizing the city. And there's a detective played by Robert Forrester. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I remembered that. Why? He's, so try- he's so cute. Who he, along with a uh, herpetologist. Her- which yes. is not what you think it is. Which is not a doctor of herpes. <laughs> she is... Snakes. Snakes. Uh, they work together to defeat the alligator. Yes. Okay. But I think, I think the movie looks pretty good. Yeah. I, I think it's... Pretty well written. So, so, j- but Robert Forrester, mm-hmm. the highlight of this movie <laughs> is he's going bald, uh-huh. and then we watch special features, and the lady, Robin Riker, who's adorable, who's yeah. adorable, she's yeah. stunning then in the and film, now. and we get interview of her. We get an interview um, in the special features that appears to be in the somewhat present day. Somewhat present day. She still looks fantastic. Yeah, it's, she references Robert Forster died, which is 2020. So. Oh, okay, perfect. So she still looks great, has a great personality, and she talks about how Robert Forster was obviously going bald, had begun the process of getting hair transplants, but he thought the best way to approach this to the public was to make light of it. Mm-hmm. So in the film, there are three awkward scenes yeah. where his hairline is talked about, which... <laughs> I think was disturbing because we're so not used to that, yeah. right? Like on film, it's so rare that you see a male character's aesthetic being brought into question. Right, right. So I actually really liked that. And the fact that Robert Forrester is a very handsome man, yeah. I, I think that's pretty bold, yeah. right? Because men who look like him try to preserve that. And yeah. he sort of made light of it. And yeah, I, yeah, I thought I that was really cool. I can't imagine Ben Affleck doing that. Um, but wow. but it was directed by Louis Teague, who notably did Cujo and Cat's Eye, some Stephen King properties. It was written by John Sayles, who uh, we just watched John Sayles' Passion Fish this morning. Uh, but he uh, wrote a lot of kind of B-grade films like this so he could finance his own kind of particular brand of independent cinema. Uh, but it's still actually, I think, quite well written. 
Next, the worst person in the world. Um, oh, my! I had wished you had watched this too, but uh, my sister <laughs> wanted, to wa- wanted to watch it. I saw this at Cannes in 2021, uh, and it's basically, a, I guess, a romantic melodrama about this this young woman deciding how she's going to navigate the world in a romance between two men, one who's very well established and one who is not. People really like this movie. It's great. It's, yeah. Um, Legal Eagles. Uh, well, you know, Ivan Reitman just died. One of the few films I haven't seen of his was Legal Eagles from 1986. His first film after Ghostbusters. Boy, this was a slog. Uh, it's it's credited as a legal, a, a dramatic, a courthouse, a courthouse comedy. I don't know. Um, Robert Redford and Daryl Hannah and Deborah Winger. There's not there's not one funny bit in this movie, and it's two hours. Next, Just Between Friends. Oh, God. Oh, you should watch Just Between Friends uh, with Christine Lottie and Mary Tyler Moore. It's the only uh, film directed by the writer of uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show uh, and, and Rhoda. Uh, what's his name? Alan Burns. And they're two women that find out that they're one of Mary Tyler Moore is married to Ted Danson and she befriends Christine Lottie at an aerobics class. A very weird aerobics class. You know, very weird women bonding scenario. <laughs> yeah. It's like fried green tomatoes. Like, yeah, oh, something else is going on under the surface there. And, uh, and then they find out that uh, Christine Lottie's been sleeping with Ted Danson and then he suddenly dies and then yeah, they have conflict over that. But, uh, God, Mary Tyler, the bodies of these women and the way that the women t- are talking about how they eat. Uh, Mary- Christine Lottie jokes like, I had a tab for breakfast, a Snickers for lunch, and then she has ice cream for dinner. Smokes like, like a, smokes like a chimney. Yeah, yeah it's, it's in the aerobics class are uncomfortable because just how these women... Mary Tyler Moore in the presentation of her body is it's kind of jarring. Mm-hmm. Lastly, Shop Girl. Ugh. I'd never seen that. Uh, Steve Martin had written this novella that was turned into it and starring himself. And it's Claire Danes is this poor young woman that comes to L.A. and works in... What department store is it? Uh, Upscale. Is it not Nordstrom? (laughs) Neiman Marcus? Is it Neiman Marcus? I don't know. I didn't watch it. They show it like a billion times. Bloomingdale's? No. I don't need... Is it Saks? Might be. It might be Saks. Woolworths. No, not Woolworths. (laughs) Thrifties? No. And she, Savers. <laughs> Dillard's? Savers. Robinson's May. Mervyn's. Mervyn's? Uh, <gasps> it's not Mervyn's. Oh, Mervyn's. My mom used to love shopping at Mervyn's. Uh, I had friends that loved shoplifting at Mervyn's, I remember. Uh, anyway. Uh, good time. <laughs> good time. Uh, she... Stole the TV. Did some more time. It's just so obnoxious watching a woman as beautiful as Claire Danes. Have to deal with those. Hola, 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 hola. What? A woman as beautiful as Claire Danes? What? She's a beautiful woman. Uh, we can go to the grocery store right now, and there are a lot of ladies as beautiful as Claire Danes. She has a very nice face. I'm not saying she's... She's no Michelle Pfeiffer. No. It's Michelle... There can be different levels. Okay. A woman as beautiful as Claire Danes? Compared to Steve Martin and Jason Schwartzman, the men she has to contend with? I, mean, I do like this Jason I don't know. I feel like yeah. they're all the same. They're sw- all swimming in the same pool. I'm not. I'm okay. Claire Danes. <laughs> I can think of a lot of bad white ladies, and she would not be one of them. Did I say she was a bad white? She's a beautiful. You said woman. a woman as beautiful as Claire Danes. In uh, well, in comparison to the men she gets to choose from in this. Steve film. Martin's handsome. In 2005. And Jason Schwartzman. He's 
cute. Yeah, but they're presented in ways that they're so inept and they're they're just like blah. Nothing against Claire Danes. (laughs) But that's not a bad lady right there. She's Claire Danes is like a lot of people are as beautiful as Claire Danes. I didn't. Did I say she was the most beautiful woman? No, in the you world? didn't. Claire Danes, the most beautiful woman in the world. She's a beautiful looking woman, and there's enough compliments. Sure, to go she is. There's but enough. <laughs> there's enough compliments to air go around. Balance. I don't have enough air with this COVID. I can't. I can't sit here and talk about. Claire Danes. We need to move on. <laughs> Projects of interest. Uh-huh. So you mentioned that there's something, like there's a Weird Al. Yankovic. Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al in a biopic. I think it's already done filming, but I... I am 100% interested. <laughs> oh in that my film. God. Yes. Yeah, that's all I know. Okay. And then you were saying that Kenneth Branagh wants to create like uh, an Agatha Christie universe? Yeah, Christie-verse. He Are wants... fucking kidding? I know. He oh. wants to do Miss Marple. And then have her meet his Poirot. No. You know it's going to happen. And it's going to be terrible. But yeah, so good luck. <laughs> and then Steven Spielberg is remaking Bullet. I guess. Which, you know, is one of Steve McQueen's uh, best moments. It has a fantastic car chase sequence. 1968. Directed by Peter Yates. Uh, I think that's based on a real life cop too. Uh, but Bullet, if you've never seen it, is a great Steve McQueen movie. But Steve Spielberg wants to remake that now after West Side Story. So. <clears throat> Speaking of Bullet, Brad Pitt's in a movie about a bullet train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That comes out, like the trailer comes out in a couple Isn't of days. Isn't Sandra Bullock in that too or something? Oh, is she? Am I is mi- it Speed 3? <gasps> no. <laughs> is that? <laughs> that's not. It just hit me. Is this? Wait a minute. Did I misread something? She is in it, and it is not Speed 3. It's directed by David Leach, who did Atomic Blonde and was the co-director of the first Ooh. John Okay, Michael I'll movie. still watch it. Um, I wouldn't drive too far to go see it. Although I really don't care for Aaron Taylor Johnson or Joey King. But... Oh, I like him. I don't know who Joey King is. I like that he took his wife's life. Yes, you do. Oh, Michael Shannon. Yes, you do, it? because you had things to say when I... Uh, Reference how she looked in the lie. Oh, you try to say she was beautiful too. I, 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 it was. I said it was in comparison to whatever. This is why when you tell me how beautiful I am, I just go like, "Yeah, right." Oh. Because you just think everybody's beautiful. <laughs> Joey King. I didn't say that she was. I think it was comparison to her little friend. Her little. Oh, yes, that movie. Yes. Right. It again. It's context. Jesus. Sure. Well, you have 14 Why do you want to be out here calling people so, ugly? So, I don't want to call anyone ugly. Okay, well, I don't know Just why. Play. I don't know. Play. I don't know why you want to diminish people, but okay. Diminish. Okay, all right. You're talking about Claire Danes like she's Christy Brinkley. <laughs> I didn't say, did I say? The way you said it is like how Christy Brinkley dated Billy Joel, and it's like, what the fuck? Again. C- but Claire Danes and Jason Schwartzman, that seems like a... A match made. But you didn't watch it. But anyway. His his behavior in it is repellent. Questionable. Yes. Okay, the obituary section. Sally Kellerman's gone. Yeah, she is. You said she was in MASH. She was Hot Lips Hulan. Um, I looked at her picture. She looks familiar to me. You've probably seen her in something. Um, another good one is uh, Foxes, directed by Adrian Lyne with Jodie Foster, which has some kind of lesbianic tendencies. Some energy, some lesbian energies in that movie. 1980, check out Foxes. But MASH is, of course, a classic. Okay, so for our secret film, Nick chose it. And it is a 1978 British horror film directed by 
Jersey Mike, uh, Jersey Skolomowski. Jersey Skolomowski. It's called The Shout. I love this movie. I was so excited to see it was on streaming because for years, the only copy I could get a hold of was the one I own on Region 2. Um, it's a it's a cult classic, and I feel like it deserves to be much better known than it is. Um, it's on par with something like Nicholas Rogue's Don't Look Now. The basic story is there's this grifter. Drifter. Drifter? Drifter. Drifter. drifter well, he's kind of a grifter. He's a con man. Yeah. A Played grifting, by Alan Bates. A grifting drifter, yeah. And he comes up on this little town and Bill Hurt. John Hurt. John Hurt. <laughs> not William Hurt. <laughs> John Hurt and his wife. Susanna York. Are holed up in some, their, their little cabin they live in. And he's like a. Composer. Composer. And he, we can talk about the sound editing, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, Alan Bates shows up and we can tell something's off about him. And basically, he tells John Hurt, like, I learned from these Aboriginal people how to do this terror shout. Mm-hmm. And if I do this shout, anyone who can hear it, uh, like raw, like unprotected, mm-hmm. will die. Mm-hmm. Which I think is such a brilliant idea it's based on a short story by robert graves but yeah. it's such a brilliant idea because the entire time it's like when am i gonna hear this damn shout yeah. mm-hmm. and when we do hear it it does not disappoint it and then it occurred to me that they probably because then of course you want to know what it sounds like i think it sounds like like a jet plane kind of yeah yeah I like think- like like when jets like screech by like low yeah. mm-hmm. It was pretty terrifying. Well, because of how the editing uh, of it is as well, it's like very how it's presented visually. I think is yeah kind of was, helps this like sonic terror. But obviously, uh, Bill John Hurt. Uh, he... <laughs> well, he he tells him he has to put uh, cotton. cotton in his ears because he can't listen to it. He can't raw dog it. Jesus. But he ultimately like defeats Alan Bates' character at the end. Um, oh, but what he's what what Alan Bates is doing is trying to. Uh, he wants his wife. He wants his wife because he also has taken part of uh, a possession of hers and has uh, a belt buckle. Or yeah, part of the spell. Yeah, he's kind of created a spell, and his his soul has also. There, there's a lot going on in the subtext of this film because it actually starts out in like an insane asylum that's playing cricket, and this doctor from this. Per, Tim Curry plays this man from out of town who has I come, forgot about Tim Curry who, who comes to who comes to score the game because they need a scorer and the doctor leads him to Alan Bates in this little score hut and is like you're going to meet the most brilliant man on campus but he believes his soul has been broken into four pieces and all this weird mysterious things and uh, come to find that John Hurt is also in the same insane asylum and he's up to bat at cricket and Alan Bates like he had a woman that loved him once <laughs> So speaking of people looking beautiful in comparison, okay, when you compare when you compare Alan Bates to John Hurt, oh yeah, Alan Bates is a very handsome man. Yes, he is. Much yep. sexier than John Hurt. Um, Alan Bates was uh, in the first scene of male nudity um, in a theatrical release in 1969. I thought he was kind of what's how would you not captivating. Yeah, which is funny you don't even remember him because we reviewed an unmarried woman from the same year on Criterion. I don't recall. Okay, well, he's in that. Who's the lady in it? Jill Clayburgh. I remember her, I think. I remember you You didn't like her. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. Okay, but she, that's who she falls in love with him. Yeah, anyway. I thought he was 
uh, he did a very good job. Oh, his stuff in the 70s, yeah. He was... Uh, he was seductive, I would say. Yes, and he plays it very well, because yeah. he's captivating. Although... Yeah. Yes, he is very mysterious. Although, when we hear the scream, that camera gets all up in his mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and his dentition is outrageous. Yeah. Well, he's British. <laughs> because he has, like, a full partial in the front. Uh-huh. And then his back teeth, one side is just rotten. Like, yeah. straight up rotten. And then the other side are, like, gold-plated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did I miss this? This is why I shouldn't date. We need to... We need... Yeah, the next person you date, you need to open up the... Yeah. Say ah yeah. and look in there. We need to put that movie back on and rewind to that part. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I thought it... I would watch it in a theater because the sound... Ooh, oh, I'd love to see this in a theater. Yes, yeah. because we get a lot of clips of Will Bill John hurt... hurt. Like playing with his little microphone and his yeah. little things, and I thought that sounded really creepy. Um, There's a lot going on. Um, also, uh, Alan Bates is associated with the sound of like this bee noise. Um, every time he's trying to like kind of hunt Susanna York, uh, he's got this. There's this buzzing noise. Uh, there's a lot going on with like souls being starved because we're treated to a portion of this sermon as well, and like how a soul will leave the body when it's. Um, what was the word? Spiritually starved. And uh, the Alan Bates character, Crossley, actually has his soul stored in this rock that John Hurt breaks apart uh, <laughs> to defeat him. Uh, oh, I'm reading that the soundtrack is by Michael Rutherford and Tony Banks, who are from the band Genesis. Yes. Yeah. You know I like Genesis. Yes. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a very well-known film before its sound design as well. Oh my gosh, it's so good because I feel like it's... The sound design... I took it as like it's supposed to be mildly like irritating. Yes. Because every time we're at the insane asylum, I kept hearing like this bird. It sounds like a bird or someone like screaming in the background or like the cat moaning. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like agitating. Yeah. It was very effective. Yeah. Yeah, All the there's another film with Susanna York who I also love a lot of her work from the seventies. Images by Robert Altman where she goes insane. The sound design of that is also kind of. very important to how examining that film and its meanings. But well, I would recommend it. Uh, uh, Jerzy Skolomowski. So he's Polish, uh, and this was he, he directed several films in or about London or the UK. Uh, one of his big breakthroughs was 1970s Deep End, which I believe London was recreated in Poland. I think. I think The Shout is his first film that was filmed in England. Uh, it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival where it won an award. And then I just think that it, it hasn't really been, uh, again, only like cult enthusiasts seem to really like it. It has a young Jim Broadbent uh, yeah. as a madman who gets... Oh, from Bullets Over Broadway. Uh, in many other... And Oscar winner himself. You uh, see him almost Yes. In a jockstrap. Very young yes. and thin. Smearing mud all wow. over his... Um, a, a note about Robert Graves, who wrote the, or who this, short, I read the short story. Uh, he's an author I really like. He wrote uh, a text called The White Goddess, which is what Robin Hardy based, uh, is how he was inspired to write The Wicker Man. Fascinating. Which mm-hmm. it does give Wicker Man it, vibes. It does have Wicker Man vibes, so yeah. if you like that uh, at all. Because you're uncomfortable almost mm-hmm. the whole time. <laughs> like, what's happening? Yes, uh, but but yeah, like Skolomowski's filmography I like, but it, this is definitely a, a favorite of mine, so I was excited to share it. Mm, thank you for sharing. Oh, and there's also a film from 2010. I want to rewatch it. It's called Stone, uh, and it stars Edward Norton and Mila Jovovich and I think Robert De Niro, 
John Curry might be the director that is doing similar things with sound. Like it, it has very similar themes. I want to say that director was probably highly influenced by uh, The Shout when he made that. Hmm. We'll be googling that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's a busy week. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we feel better. Yeah. Well, I do feel better. Okay. Did, um, <laughs> did we get the Batman this week? Oh, we have to watch the Batman. Several other films. After Yang. Are we seeing After Yang? I mean, it's in walking distance. It is. I still have to RSVP for that then. Sure. Okay. It doesn't look good to me. Did you see it already? I saw it at Cannes last oh, year. Oh, then why do I have to go see it? If we're going to review it. Did you like it? I hated it. Oh, well. Oh, decision made. <laughs> well, that'll be fun to talk about. We love it when you hate People do like that. We love we we love when you hate. People want to see me all worked up and irritated. Mm-hmm. Have you heard what Joseph thinks about Claire Danes? <laughs> Beautiful. Ha! <laughs> if you think Claire Danes is beautiful, what do you think about um, who's the lady who played Murder She Wrote? Angela Lansbury. What do you think about Angela Lansbury? Oh, back in the day, she was fat. Oh! <laughs> she kind of looks like her. Well, now, but no, go back to Manchurian Candidate or Gaslight. She was cute. Cute. She was, she was cute as a young woman. Okay. I, I, why are you trying to, what, do you, what, do you want me to compose a list of like ugly women for you? No, or, of course not. You ugly bitch. You, you ugly. Like, why do you want me to be talking out here like about women like that? Come on. No, no, no. <laughs> you just can't be throwing around beautifuls though. Yes, you can. <laughs> Claire Danes in 2005. Claire was a, Danes was a beautiful lady. She still. You like, I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of you because the way you said it was like, her beauty is unmatched. I didn't say that. No, you didn't say that. But the way you said it, <laughs> oh my just God. had me thinking like, what? Okay. But you were comparing her to the like the male, yes. her male counterparts. Yes. But you know. Mm-hmm. That's all I have. Okay. Are you done? Sure. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.